Looking after children's mental health through music and dance and making a difference in the dance world to promote diversity and inclusion is what my next guest is all about. Stacey Green co-founded the Freedom Factory in 2017. This year, through lockdown, started the Tired Movement to bring about change in the world of dance. Let's find out more. Stacey, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjack. So how are you today? I am very well, thank you, Ali. Busy, busy day, as always. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And thank you so much for inviting me on this evening. Well, it, as I said, it's really lovely to have you on and hear all about the projects that you do. And I just understand that, you know, after lockdown, things have gone a little bit... Should we say crazy for you? <laughs> yeah, so I am the co-founder of an organisation, a social enterprise called Freedom Foundation that helps support children and young people with their mental health and raise awareness about the impact of social media um, on their well-being, um, but using the creative arts, so singing, songwriting, street dance, hip hop, um, as a platform to get children to open up about their feelings and emotions. And we work within a number of schools um, across the county and city um, in the East Midlands. Um, and then um, I'm also the principal of a performing arts school in Nottingham. Um, and so the, obviously with the pandemic, that has massively impacted the school and we've had to deliver everything online. But thankfully we reopened last Saturday. And then during the pandemic, um, I'm born out of what happened with George Floyd, uh, last year, I can't actually believe it's a year, nearly a year, coming up to a year since that all happened. Um, it made me look internally about myself as a mixed race mother, woman, and also um, as a teacher, an educator, performer within the performing arts um, about the things that I felt that needed to be changed. So um, we started out with a few conversations and then started to develop um, a movement called Tired, which is trying to improve racial equality in the dance industry. So that's kind of been my whirlwind year of the pandemic. Um, very exciting, very scary. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm still here. I'm still smiling. Brilliant. So it, it sounds like you've taken on a lot. It really does. Yeah. I mean, let's just sort of wind the clock back sort of pre-pandemic. I mean, yeah. you... Um, started out didn't you it was it 2017 you actually put together the freedom foundation and just talk about that because i mean you've got many commitments already haven't you yes i have as well as three amazing children uh, and a dog um but yeah so in 2017 and this was kind of born out of um, my experience within my own performing arts school um, I recognised that there was a real change in the way that the students were interacting socially, um, how they were responding in class, um, and had received a lot of emails from parents that were noticing changes in their child's behaviour. And really, the, you know, the common theme through that was to do with mobile phones, devices, social media, um, the amount of time they were spending online. And, you know, I really thought about that. I mean, I have a 23-year-old, 22-year-old, uh, sorry, um, an 18-year-old and an 11-year-old. And at that time, you know, my daughter was heavily engrossed in her mobile phone and social media. And I thought there needs to be more done about this. You know, there was a lot of noise around being safe online, as in being aware of bullying, cyberbullying, you know, grooming, all of that, but not being safe online mentally. So um, I came up with the idea of um, creating a program, just a program that was called Freedom Factory, because my dance school is Freedom Dance and Performance. And I thought, well, I can take that into the academic setting rather than the private dance sector and try and reach as many kids as possible to talk about the impact of social media on mental health and well-being. That then led to um, as creating a with my business partner, Laura Grant, um, an organization. We started off as a limited company and then um, quickly recognized that the message that we were trying to send to schools 
wasn't being well received they kind of saw us as, as an after school provision there was another you know another dance group another singing group and songwriting but wow. really missed the message that we were trying to get across so we set ourselves up as a CIC became a social enterprise became freedom foundation um and then started to apply for grants and funding which we you know i'm really proud to say that we received which was meant that we were able to um offer our programs free of charge to a number of schools and a number of academy trusts across the east midlands um and it's just grown massively over the last um couple of years it's been a lot of hard work but you know it's you know mental health and well-being i'm really really passionate about and supporting children and young people i've worked within that space for most of my um adult life um and you know it's it's been a very exciting but very tiring journey that we've been on it sounds it. I mean, you know, fundamentally, really what you're doing is helping out children, aren't you, with their mental health. And, you know, that has become a huge, huge problem, hasn't it, as you said, mm. with the fact that, you know, they're all using social media. I mean, some of the words that are thrown around, some of the, the, the conversations that are thrown around are you know, not very nice sometimes, are they? They're really quite cutting. Mm. I, I think, you know, it, it, it's a great project that you've started up here because, you know, children need that other outlet, don't they? 100%. And, you know, using the dance and singing and songwriting, what we didn't want to do was go into schools and basically do a presentation and you shouldn't be doing this on social media you shouldn't be talking to that and you know because children are on social media um and so you have to find ways of how do we give them the tools and build that resilience for, so that they can use online you know be on social media and be online and have a presence in a responsible way and then but do it in a way that children can connect with you know um and i think that we've managed to do that we've developed a number of programs now so we started off with the freedom factory we now have a motivational mornings program which is designed to help secondary school children at the start of their educational day that is um around using music as a therapy um and equating emotions to music and colors um, and getting them, you know, giving them some skills as well around songwriting and rapping. We've got some amazing facilitators that work for us that deliver that have previously worked within the industry or are working with the industry. Um, and obviously all that before the pandemic, everything was face to face, um, but we had to adapt and we created a brand new digital hub called Lockdown Learning that was um, fed through our main website so it meant that all the children that we were working with in all these schools could still access that but you know children and young people have it's really affected them this whole pandemic you know their aspirations and everything and how they view themselves so we wanted to continue to work with those children and we were able to do that digitally no and i think that that's amazing that you have been able to do that because as you said i mean you know i mean when we were children we didn't have that added pressure so in actual fact they've had two added pressures haven't they i mean they've had the the pressure of the the pandemic and also they've got the the pressure of living life in a digital situation where you know it's not real time and if if there is any bullying of any description I mean, when we were kids, if there was any bullying that day, it was over and done with that day. They have to deal with it comes home with them and follows them mm. as long as, you know, people are sort of banding things around. So, I mean, that that sounds like a, a really amazing project to do and the fact that they could access it online. So well done you. So do you get lots of feedback? So do you mean from the children or for the yeah, school? Yeah, from the children. I yeah, think. So be, as, as a social enterprise, obviously, everything that we do, everything, every program that we deliver, you know, impact measurement and evaluation is a huge part of the program. Um, because we're a social enterprise, funders like to see, you know, what's the effect that you're having on these children? You know, if we're funding a project, you know, we need to see that it's having an, an impact. It doesn't matter how big the cohort is. We, you know, we do one-to-one -one 
um, mentoring sessions, if that, you know, that is what we're presented with. Um, it's, it's about engaging with those children and finding a way of getting them to open up and express you know it has been a challenge because a lot of the children we work a lot in areas that are of disadvantage and don't have access to the creative arts or don't have access to digital formats you know data has been a problem you know we're working with children that don't have the families that don't have the data there's some amazing charities in nottingham that have helped supporters with that and provided that data for those children to access the programs been really challenging but the feedback that we've had from the schools you know it's been a long process we've developed and we've had to adapt and pivot as much as possible in seven eight months um, I feel like we've done like three years worth of work in the last year. So, um, we, you know, the schools are so happy with what we've managed to achieve because we've been able to access those children and those children have interacted. So the way our hub works, they get daily motivation. They'll have links to articles or videos that can inspire them through the day, but they also have 24 hours um, contact with our facilitators as well. Um, and then there's like a social media page where they can interact, but it's in a safe community. So each school that we work with has their own community social media platform where those children can interact with each other. And we've got an amazing design team. Um, I'm really proud of what we've managed to achieve in such a short space of time. Yeah, it does sound like you've achieved quite a lot there, definitely. And I mean, the thing is, is that you're actually keeping, you know, children, their mental health and well-being is so important and never been more important than it is now through, you know, lockdown and the situation. And I mean, moving forward, because we're still not out of the woods yet, are we really? Um, I mean, they are back to school and they are, you know, being able to do some clubs and things this is true but we're still not fully opened up for the world so to speak are we no not at all but you know we were fortunate in the fact that we have still been able to offer face-to-face -face delivery with certain schools to work with key worker children so that's been amazing so we've been able to offer a blended approach to our delivery so if we do do face-to-face -face delivery those schools still have access to digital as well so you know that's been great to be able to do that because i know a lot of organizations haven't had um, the opportunity to do that but we have so and now we're starting to get back into those schools that we've worked with digitally and you know it's just a different energy it, it, it's just been great but also sad at the same time knowing what they've been through and hearing their personal stories so you know we, we're all about building resilience and building aspirations in children and making them realize that they're amazing and it's okay to feel that way and there's always someone to talk to and how amazing that they can use the creative arts to express themselves so you know i, I think it's I, I you know i think it's been a great opportunity for us to show the schools and the trusts and the education um, organisations what Freedom Foundation can offer and hopefully we can replicate that in other cities and across the UK. Fantastic so that I mean that must have the whole digital platform must have opened it up to the whole of the UK though surely. Yeah, so what's happened is that, I, I mean, obviously, because, you know, my background is the performing arts, and we all know what's happened with the performing arts and theatres are closed, and there's some amazing artists that are out of work that are having to apply for jobs, you know, um, at KFC, Aldi, wherever, you know, when they've had, they've trained for years and years to get to where they are now, and they're just seen an industry crumble around them but in in a selfish way you know through my contacts and ex-students it's been amazing it doesn't actually matter where they are in the UK or in the world they've been able I've been able to offer them work to deliver the programs um, which has been fantastic and because um, of all the PR and the marketing that we've done around the digital hub, we are now being contacted by schools um, in Surrey, in London, in Worcestershire, in Northampton, asking for these uh, the digital offering that we've got. Um, and hopefully moving forward, we will be able to replicate the programs that we have in the East Midlands face to face in those areas too. 
That's amazing. That really, really is. So you, you must, as you said, be incredibly busy at the moment. Do your feet even touch the ground at the moment, Stacey? Uh, no, no. <laughs> but that, that's never changed. You know, like I like to keep busy. I'm an active person, but I'm a very passionate person. And once I set my mind to something, you know, the, the, the foot is not off the gas. We're going full steam ahead. And Laura and I have always said, dream big. And that's what it's about. You know, mental health and well-being in children and young people is far too important to sit back and just, well, we'll see what happens. We're not coasting. You know, no. we're going to push forward because it's really important. And I feel the same about the tired movement um, and what we've created there. It's exactly the same. So, you know, yes, I'm exhausted, um, but I, I'm loving every minute. I'm, I'm loving every minute. But the tired movement is much more to do with diversity and inclusion, isn't it? And that is still a problem today. I mean, it, it still amazes me, you know, in the, the 21st century that we're still, you know, having to deal with racism. I think it, it's disgusting, really, to be honest, you know, and it, it's important for everybody to be included. And I mean, let's face it, as a country, the UK, we are probably the most diverse, inclusive country that there is, you know, so. I would I, say, I would say diverse, but inclusive, not quite sure. You know, there's a difference between being diverse and being inclusive. You know, there are a lot of different ethnic um, communities within um, England, um, within the UK, but are they included? And I would have to say, not really not mm -hmm. really and I'm coming from the perspective not you know my personal lived experience as a mixed race woman but also the industry that I work in which is the dance industry um, mm -hmm. and the things that I see now I saw back in the 70s and they haven't moved on and so mm -hmm. that was my driving force I felt like there was a real sense in you know across the world really about change whether it was about climate change or about um, racial equality, whatever. I felt like this was a time and with, with social media being such a, a huge platform, the younger generation, they were listening. Everybody was listening. You couldn't go anywhere. So this is the time to make those changes. And I've been very, I found my voice and met some amazing people along the way who support and echo my visions and mission of what I want to achieve with the Tired Movement. And, you know, the partnerships that we've created in such a short space of time and the people that are actually listening to what the Tired Movement are saying and what we're all about is mind blowing. Um, but we have to keep pushing. We have to, this isn't a quick fix. No. You know, it, it's not no. a plastic in plaster. It's not, um, you know, a tick box exercise. It's not a put a black screen on your social media to support the movement. It's, 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 you know, there's longevity. This is, you know, people have been pushing for these changes for years, hundreds of years before, you know, the tired movement came along. But now is a time that, you know, with social media, there's real, a real opportunity to make significant changes within the industry that I've always worked in, the industry that I love. And that is my driving force really, and to work as a collective. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, th I think that's, that's really brilliant. And of course, you know, as far as Black Lives Matter is concerned this week, um, we've actually, they've had a, a real result in many ways that, you know, out in America that actually George Floyd's killer was um, sentenced, you know, and, you know, the, the punishment was was right for the crime, um, mm. which is, you know, a significant movement in itself, isn't it? You know, and now they're looking into the police force out there and how things are run and how they're trained, which is, you know, really good. It's really good. I think, you know, obviously for, the, for me, you know, that was the ignition that what happened with George Floyd it it wasn't his death you know I mean that brought out an emotion in me the video that everybody saw you know like it made me stop like so many people like I'm actually watching this live and it, it's horrific how is this happening in 2020 but it was for me it was the outpour 
of people's opinions and views on social media that affected me. And I find I've been on a real personal emotional journey um, because I felt, you know, yes, some amazing things will come out of this because changes are going to happen. And, and you know, people are reflecting on their own organizations, their personal space, but it caused a huge divide and, you know, made people on the one hand reflect on themselves, you know, people were scared, you know, people that weren't of colour, scared to say anything uh, in case they were offending anybody, people of colour being mindful of that, that person that they're speaking to, don't really want, you know, we don't want to make you feel awkward, and then, you know, it just... It would just made, I felt there was a real div divide in this country um, in people's views around what happened with George Floyd because people were starting to speak up even more and social media was the best platform to do it. But mm. I also think it had an adverse effect. And I know for a fact, I came off for a few days because it made, it affected my mental health and well-being and brought up some feelings in me of anger and you know things that I've probably not addressed right. uh, throughout my life because it's just the norm this is how it is you know a lot of black people are accused of having a chip on their shoulder if they speak up and I've always been mindful of that particularly within my industry you know like if I say too much do are people going to think that I've got an attitude uh, oh she's just going up you know and whereas this happened and the more people were speaking up I thought this is an opportunity to have my say um, and hopefully there will be something positive that comes out of something so awful um, but you know what happened with George Floyd I mean yesterday a 13 year old um, black teenager was killed by an officer um, in America like yeah while the trial was, you know, just as they were passing judgment, that happened. And, and you know, that's still continuing. Um, and injustices will still continue, but people are listening and they're, they're seeing now. And I think, you know, this is an opportunity that real changes can be made, so. Yeah, definitely, I think so. You know, I mean, it's interesting what you say about a divide. I mean, I, I completely can relate to what you're saying. Um, I mean, at the time, this time last year, I was working in a TV studio, you know, as an editor. So, you know, I was dealing with the, the story firsthand, so to speak. So, yeah, it was a really interesting thing. But, you know, from my point of view, as a journalist, you know, we had to start taking on and thinking, actually, how are we saying stuff? and you know it to me it was a really good exercise because I always you know love to learn and I think you know that is how you make people inclusive isn't it you know if you learn more about something you, you don't know what it's like to live in somebody else's shoes because you're, you're you you know so I think we're scared you know people are scared to acknowledge that we are all biased in some way um we're afraid to talk about it because it's a reflection you know it's just an attack on you you know um, there's so many times you know over the last year in particular well i'm not racist right i'm not calling you a racist but like have you thought about this and language and phrasing is mm. so so important um and people are scared and you know a lot of my friends that are, you know my mum's she's white english my dad's black jamaican you know a lot of my friends that are white they're like you know like we don't quite know what to say you know and then you've got the whole argument of you know people saying to you, well i don't see color I personally want you to see my colour because I want you to see me. But then the, it's coming from with good intentions yeah. and because of everything and the way the media pushed everything, it divided everybody. And, you know, I part of what the reason why we've created the Tired Movement is to get everybody, all these organisations in the same space of the performing arts and the dance industry to come together to acknowledge that changes, we can do better we can be better, but we can't do it on our own. We need to do it as a collective. And, you know, I'm, I'm so, I feel so blessed that I've met so many amazing people this last year who I feel like I've known 
for years and years. I've only met them on Zoom and I, I can't wait to meet them face to face, you know, and I feel I, I keep saying to people, I feel like you're my soul sister or, you know, and I, it's, it's just it's just been really strange for everybody, but also really positive because I think if you haven't taken that time to reflect on your life, your journey during this pandemic, while everything's been thrown up and we've all had to stop, then you've missed a real opportunity for growth. Yeah. I really do believe that. I really do. As hard as it has been, and I've got a lot of friends that have lost family members through this pandemic, you know, or lost businesses, and it's been, you know, it's been really hard for them. But the positives out of this is just is personal growth. Like people take that time to, who are you? Where are you now? Where do you want to be? Where have you been? Like, how can you move forward? And, you know, that that's what I've taken from this pandemic anyway. Well, definitely you have. You've, you've been more active than most, I think. <laughs> <laughs> too active, I think. My mum my would say, too active, Stacey. Calm down. You're going to make yourself ill. I think that's it. You've got, you've got an amazing energy. And I think, you know, oh, thank you. you've, um, you're, you're definitely fighting for some really good causes there. There are many plus points to come out of the pandemic, I think. Mm. Um, as you said, you know, a lot of soul searching and yeah. um, for you, a lot of um, implementing, you know, new ideas and, and good movements. I mean, that, mm. that sounds fantastic. So, I mean, with the tired movement, how far have you got with it? I mean, are we, you know, are people sort of understanding that, you know, they need to be more inclusive now? Um, well, there's a few things there that I can answer. So with the tired movement, you know, the, the whole idea about it, you know, was to work as a collective and to get different organisations, different bodies, um, individuals to say, you know, we subscribe to the tired movement because we want to see real change within the dance industry. Mm. Um, when we set this up, originally we did a live Zoom meeting and invited people from within the industry to come and have an honest conversation about um, racial equality, representation within the dance industry. Um, you know, my background is mainly within the private dance sector. Um, and we highlighted a lot of um, things that, need to be addressed within the private dance sector um, down to the fact that you know in 2021 there are no black examiners in this country for um ballet tap there's none in the different awarding bodies there's not one not one why well you, you you that's a big that's a good question why there are no um in the british festival federation there are no black adjudicators nor has there ever been you know, I've been doing festivals for 42 years, competitions for 42 years. It's been part of my life as a dancer and then as a teacher and my students performing. I've never, ever seen myself represented in that forum, um, which is really sad. And I just thought this is a time for us to talk about that, which is what we did. Um, and, um, you know, I'm glad to say the feedback we had from that meeting was fantastic. Uh, mm. Dolly Henry was a guest speaker um on that meeting um and um if anybody knows dolly um dolly says it how it is and she is a real advocate for change and for making people aware about the importance of appreciating um different diverse cultures and how that is expressed through dance and the correct teaching of each syllabus um you know dolly's been a massive supporter of the tired movement i you know i call her big sis um she inspires me every day i love her energy um i love everything that she stands for and you know she's made some real connections for me introduced me to different people um and on that meeting we managed to get the ceo of the istd which is um, the imperial society for teachers of dance um, which is one of the biggest examining and awarding bodies um, in the UK. It's an international organization. Um, just from having that meeting, you know, we strengthen relationships with them. Um, they are full supporters of the tired movement. Um, I have been asked to deliver some CPD training for their members around being what it means 
to be diverse and inclusive in their dance in the dance schools mm. um and also um planning future events and being part of their they call it their think tank around um racial um diversity and equality um and just being sat at the table to be part of this change um is is so emotional for me i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's emotional um, there's been many times I've come off meetings and I'm like, why am I there in that space? And I can't believe just by, you know, me saying something that people are listening and changes are happening. And I'm surrounded by all these inspirational people who all want the same thing. Um, and it's truly, truly humbling. True. And it, it's, it's probably will be one of the highlights of my whole career that to be part of something and to leave a legacy and say I was instrumental in making that change for the next future generation mm -hmm. of black or brown skin dancers so yeah it's, it's it's been incredible and me you know we're working with them we are um planning on delivering a series of workshops across the UK where we work with students at um in vocational schools and also in the private dance sector talking to them and Basically, you know, when I started dancing um, in 1979, um, I was one of three dancers of colour in an all-white school. Um, although I didn't receive any racism per se within that school, and my teacher, my dance teacher, I adore her. She what fantastic training. I loved, you know, I made some really lifelong friends within that dance school setting. I knew I was different from the minute I walked in there, nobody looked like me. And throughout my dance training, I never saw any true representation for me to aspire to, you know, not an examiner, not an adjudicator, but I always had a passion for teaching and um, working with children and young people. So I did my teacher training. Um, but even when I entered that space, there was no, there was hardly any representation there. So I just went off and did my own thing. And, you know, you just carry on because, well, that's the norm and that's how it is. And, you know, that's the kind of attitude that I have until you start talking to other people and going, yeah, but this has been going on for years. Why is this? Why is it that we don't have any black examiners in the UK with all these amazing black um, um, practitioners and artists? why do we not have that representation and so what happened with you know George Floyd's death and the Black Lives Matter movement being thrust into the media um, and the public eye it was an opportunity to go right I'm not going to be quiet anymore and you know I didn't I wasn't aggressive I did it in a way that you know I'm just being honest and this is what it's about being honest and open and having that conversation and the conversation we're having is awkward for you being non-black or having not having brown skin is awkward for me um and and but we have to work together it's not a black person's problem it's everybody's problem and it shouldn't be here um and i think we just need to break down those barriers um i'm gonna ask you to um i will i will send you a link after this uh podcast and a, a lovely lady that i've known for a long time actually she was a guest on on tea time uh, Louise Chandler, um, she's lovely. So her, um, she was born in the UK. Her parents are from the West Indies, though, and she's a PR media person. And she wrote this amazing article, and uh, I interviewed her in Black History Month, and uh, it's called "Race Is Everybody's Business," and it's so true. It's not, you know, it doesn't really matter what color you are in a way do you see what i mean but at the same time it does and you know we have to embrace each other for our differences and it, as i said it's just a really spot-on article about you know it, it is everybody's problem basically we all need to learn how to to redevelop conversations as well because things have been stuck in the past for such a long time and and as i said you know one of the the things that have come to the forefront unfortunately was that you know losing george floyd 
Um, but, you know, it, I think since then, I mean, a lot of people do get it that, mm. you know, you need to take on board that doesn't matter what race you are, you've got to learn how to, you know, communicate, how to be inclusive with everybody, mm. you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's so much to talk about there. You know, I think, you know, I like to think that most people, it comes from a good place and have genuine intentions and want to live harmoniously with everybody, regardless of what color or religious background you are. You know, I like to think that, but there is systemic racism within this country that has to be stamped out. You can't hide away from it. It needs dealing with. But, you know, a lot of organizations um, need, you know, that they are starting to look into that. I mean, tomorrow I am delivering a workshop for the IOD, the Institute of Directors, as part, I'm an ambassador for diversity and inclusion, the Derbyshire and Nottingham ambassador. Um, and I'm working with a group of amazing women um, and we're delivering some workshops tomorrow about that. Um, and, but, you know, organizations are starting to do that, but it, like I say, it's a long journey. And part of the problem of all of this is that we're all at different stages on that journey. Yeah. So I can have a conversation with somebody one day who is like 20 years behind me and then asking me for the answers, asking me to explain, you know, yeah. what's right, what's wrong. I'm not an expert, you know, yeah. like you, you, we've all got iPhones. And so, you know, kind of Google yourself. There's so many things on the internet for you to learn. Um, and, and we've got to, it's almost a bit of hand-holding, which shouldn't have to happen. But as we're at different stages, it's about education, but people have to be open and not defensive about it. It's not an attack on you. It's, it's, it's looking for a way forward as to how we move forward. And then, you know, and I think the next younger generation you know, they're going to make those changes and that hopefully in 30 years, they'll look back and go, what? That's what you had to deal with. And what? There were no black examiners. There were no black adjudicators. How? In You know, so I'm hoping that is the case. But it, it, they are. it's an awkward situation. It's, a, it's an awkward yeah. conversation to have. People don't like having that conversation. But as like I said, it's awkward for a white person to. No, like, you know, I mean, in life, it's the only way you get through life, you know, yeah. by about you know the the things that you like the things that you don't like the things that scare you the things that you know and and I think that that's the the only way forward is but there's a lot of people that can't do that there's a lot yeah. of people are not ready for that who are scared the fear is stopping progression you know just from different organizations that I've spoken to in the last few months there's a real fear of getting it wrong or saying the wrong thing, or that it's going to highlight something negative in your personality or your organization. So they need that time to catch up effectively. Um, but, you know, the more people that get involved, you know, the more people that keep pushing and driving forward for that change, you know, it, it's, it's for the better. It's for the better for everybody and we can do better. Yeah, yeah, you can and we can and everybody can, you know. Yeah, we of course we can all need to know that you know we all need to do better I mean I can I, I you can probably laugh at this I mean this was sort of October time um last year so I was at home by then doing for the now media and um <laughs> I've been invited to this lovely um racial cohesion group in Reading that you know I've done a lot of tv work with so they invited me on to be a speaker about, you know, media and what have we. And so I'm chatting away and I said, you know, because the thing that, you know, really, I said, drove me to, to doing what I'm doing now is because I used to get fed up of, you know, chopping up tiny, you know, really good interviews and making them like a minute or two. But I used the words browned off. And I just stopped in my tracks and I just said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You know, it wasn't intentional, it wasn't whatever. Um, and, but you know, what's been ingrained, they're the sayings that you've yeah. heard. Yeah, you know? and all it, and my then, life. Mm 
that's the thing is that it's because like we were saying it's ingrained isn't it it's what you're taught what you know what what you've taught from your parents or your family your surroundings and that's what I was talking about so um we had Laura and I had a friend a really close friend of ours who when we were younger I can just remember we were hanging out and there was a black guy and he had a stereo here and she was like oh my gosh have you seen that guy with his wog box oh yeah (laughs) yeah what and she had no clue no what that word actually meant she was mortified and to this day you know we're both 46 she wholeheartedly you know she will always remember that reaction that she got we were like why are you saying that she honestly didn't know and I know that she went back to her family and said I can't believe that you've never told me that what that means and what that represents that word um, and it's about education, you know, like I know that within, I, I, you know, within my family, you know, mm-hmm. on my mum's side of things, they'll say things like my nan, she's 90. She'll say things. Oh, I can't say that in front of you. They, she, when people say I don't see colour, she 100% doesn't see colour. She just sees her granddaughter who she adores and loves. But, you know, politically correct you know that's not in her that's not in her space anything by it it's she doesn't have that education or that language to express to say things because she's that's what she knows and she's of a different generation you know if I hear things that are offensive with people that are in their 20s or younger that's when I have a problem because there's enough information out there for you to educate yourself that what you are saying is wrong it's offensive i i I, that's when i get my back up and i'm like i don't understand where you're coming from no i completely agree i mean my children as well i mean 21 and and uh 18 last year i mean i i can remember you know them both tackling me as well because you know and I I said well go for it because you know there are I'm full of words that Mm -hmm. I haven't even realized that they've got connotations you know and um I mean both of them were really sort of out there and they went on the Black Lives Matter protests yeah and um and I think you know that is amazing that is amazing that it shows, especially Generation Z. So my daughter's mm. age, eighteen-year-olds, mm. um, they're very on it. And it, you're absolutely right in in what you said earlier. I can see that they are going to stamp this out completely. Yeah. You know, mm. they are. So, um, and I th- I think that's a brilliant thing. It is. It's just, mm. you know, I think you know, obviously that we have to make allowances, as you say, for mm. older people who just don't even. It doesn't register. It doesn't register, does it? It really doesn't. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, how can you, how can an organisation, we've been talking about this today, how can an organisation, you know, lots of organisations are going, oh, right, we need to do something about diversity and inclusion. How do we do that? What policy do we need? Blah, 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 blah. Um, But how can you start to make your organization to in diverse and inclusive if your own personal bubble is not diverse or inclusive. So, you know, the starting point is looking internally. You know, if you were to write down your friends in your personal space, your family, how many of them are of different ethnic origin, um, different um, sexual orientation, um, you know, do, do they have a disability? All of those things. And if you don't have a diverse bubble, how do you how do you then understand how to have a diverse organisation? Because that's all you know. Yeah. So where do you go for that information? You know, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to give people that opportunity to catch up with where you are. Uh, yeah. You can't just go, oh well, you know, they're not prepared to listen, and you know, you should have learned that already. Well, no, we need to do that, but also you need to do educate yourself. I don't wanna have to answer all your questions all the time because I don't have all the answers. You can no. find that. You can ask Siri for goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> ask Siri. <laughs> yeah, well, I, don't, I have Siri because I'm a Samsung user. So. All right, okay. Oh, like, I don't have it switched on. Siri scares me. Oh, <laughs> the whole thing scares no. me. But no, I think you're right. And I think also it, it's important that you do educate yourself, that you do actually think about it. And I mean, 
you know, for someone like myself, I, I mean, I've grown up with a diverse set of friends. You know, I've got friends that are from, you know, I've got Indian roots. I've got friends that, you know, have got Pakistani roots. I've got friends that have got African roots. Um, you know, all, all sorts of diverse people in my life. And I always have had, because I, yeah. partly, do you know what? I think it's because I'm a Londoner. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you grow up in London, you don't know any different. Yeah. You yeah. know, you really honestly don't. It's, it's you know, I it's only since I, I moved out to the home counties that I do notice a little bit more of a difference. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's down to the, like we say, we're talking about education, you know, the education within schools, you know, what we're taught about history, you know, all of that needs decolonizing, yeah, you know, and that's being pushed forward, you know. Um, I was invited, and I know Do Dolly's part of that, she's been part of that for a long time, is um, working with One Dance UK and being part of a round table um, to discuss the curriculum and how they move forward and make those changes with AQA. And, you know, that's a real honor for me to be in that space to hear that. Um, but we've got a long way to go. And, you know, we can all do the talking, but we've got to do the walking, you know, mm -hmm. and like just, my worry about all of this is that it becomes a trend like for now okay so this where are we at this time next year you know when all this is over and well i feel like there was a trend when george floyd died i'm not gonna lie i did you know mm -hmm. there was the whole blacking out your social media yeah. platform um and then when you go on you know a, few, a couple of weeks later nobody's posting about anything no you know, it was no. like well if you put why did you black the screen out? What is your intention? What are you going to get involved with? And the only way change can happen is by people getting involved and supporting organizations that want to make real change. It's not enough to just, you know, post a quote, copy and paste a quote from another page, but not actually do anything. You know, that really, really frustrates me. And, you know, we, we have this golden opportunity to make real change. Why would you not take that? And if you're not prepared, I said this the other day in a meeting, I thought I'm going to use that again. So I'm going to say it now. We yeah. all have our own lane. We all have our lane. But join us on the motorway together as a collective and make that journey together. And, and, and that's what needs to happen. The more voices we hear, the louder we become. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that that's absolutely brilliant. I really do. And as I said, I, you know, fantastic that you've started this and and it is also it's about continuing the conversation and having those difficult conversations with people you know being able to to have those difficult conversations I think is so important it really is because you know nobody knows it all in life anyway do they you know no no nobody has all the answers you know and and you know as a really aren't we <laughs> i've learned a lot i've learned so much this last year that i didn't learn i didn't know there's so much and and around the whole issue around language and phrasing it changes so quickly and you have to be open to learn new things i mean when we stop learning what's the point you know, like if you're in, if you're working within education or you're working with children and young people, if you are not open to learn, then why are you educating the next generation? That's what I think. So for me, you know, give it to me. I want to soak it all up. I'm not going to get this opportunity again. No, I, I think it, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And as I said, well done. I think that's phenomenal. I mean, two amazing projects, you know, that you've, basically a part of and launched and um, are doing really well. So that's fantastic. Oh my goodness. What next? <laughs> <laughs> We're going global. So actually we've, well, we've made a partnership with um, an amazing organization in Atlanta in America. Who've actually, they, you know, we contacted, they, we, I contacted them. They were about to contact us and they provide resources um, and training and tools for um, dance educators to help support with um, them teaching children and young people around the curriculum and educating them about black culture and uh, black pioneers of dance, which, you know, we're not really taught over here in the private dance sector. And they love everything about the Tide movement. And they've invited us over to America 
to deliver the tired workshops, which is Fantastic. incredible. So yeah, yeah we're, going, we're going global. We're going global. Yeah. The jazz global <laughs> pictures please pictures please <laughs> <laughs> we'll send them we'll send them yes so we've got that opportunity um you know it, it's just it's been so it's been awakening and it's been humbling and it's been an emotional journey um and I'm excited. I'm really excited about what's going to come out of this and seeing other organizations and what they're doing and, and how that's going to develop and how we can learn from that as a movement um, and signpost people because a lot of people don't know, you know, like, where do we go for resources within the dance industry? Anyway, where do we go for resources? Who do we talk to? How do we get this right? And there's, there's, there's so much resource in the UK. It's mm. just not made public. In, in that it's you know it's accessible but a lot of people don't know about it so come together and let's all shout about it and then it's you know we've we dealt with that and people know where to go and we can carry on but you know there there's a long way to go there's a long way to go before there is equality and it's not you know i work in the grassroots with the private dance sector but because there is so much lack of representation at the top within the industry that I work in, you know, the producers, the casting directors, the, you know, the, the theater owners, there's such a lack of uh, representation there from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, what are the young generation aspiring to? To be mm -hmm. a dancer or a choreographer, but that's it. You know, I, 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 you know, I think I, as a person of color, and I think, you know, that's a shared opinion is we set ceilings for ourselves, like, that's what we can achieve. Achieve, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm all about the, you think about Willy Wonka and- oh, it's the limit. Scene when, the, when the glass roof opens and you go, yay, I'm here. That That's that's where I'm at. And, you know, I want to instill that in young people. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Oh, and I'm sure you will, Stacey. I'm sure you will. You're, you're such an inspiration yourself anyway, you really are. Oh. And, and it's been lovely spending time with you on the tea time. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, thank you for coming on. No, thank you so much for having us. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the tea time sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on tea time at forthenow.co.uk. Where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.